morning and welcome to worship. Would you pause and let's uh, pray together to our awesome God and our Heavenly Father. God, we've set aside, dedicated this time to, to worship together, to worship you, to worship you alone. And Lord, we pray for insight as we look into your word. Uh, Lord, we want to be changed. We want to be challenged. We want to be transformed more into the image of your Son and our Savior, Jesus Christ. And God, we live in desperate times, and uh, you are always faithful. We trust you, and we go to you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hey, Thanksgiving. Ben's already mentioned it in the announcements. It's right around the corner. And we're going to be celebrating um, in some way this coming Thursday. How are you planning to celebrate Thanksgiving? For many, it's going to be very, very different. Are you thankful? Are you thankful in 2020? You know, as far as eyesight is concerned, 2020 is said to be perfect vision. Well, if 2020, this year, was perfect vision, whoa, we are in trouble. Tim Keller said, Sometimes God seems to be killing us when He is actually saving us. And doesn't it seem like that, feel like that from time to time? When you were a child and you were growing up, did your parents teach you the magic words? Please and thank you. Yeah. Um, pass the mashed potatoes. It was not very effective. It didn't get a good response. But you just put that magic word, please past the mashed potatoes. It worked every time. It was like magic. And you know what? We were being taught by our parents how to navigate, navigate a very daunting world. And you didn't even have to feel it. You, you might have not even felt like saying please or thank you. But your parents said, just say the word, and it's yours. Uh, and we all know that it's better to really feel it from your heart, but we were being taught the ticket to future social acceptability. We were being taught um, maybe even how to land uh, a job in the future, uh, maybe even to get a spouse. Please marry me. <laughs> Thank you. When I became a Christian, I was adopted into a family of a perfect parent, a perfect father. My earthly parents, they had uh, Hebrews 12.10, where they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them. They, they, they did the best that they could. But my heavenly Father, Matthew 6.8, He knows what I need before I ask Him. And Matthew 7.9, He does not give a stone if you ask for bread. But you soon discover in God's family that God reserves the right to say what's bread and what's not bread. <laughs> and sometimes in this year of 2020, I have found the bread that God has given not to my liking. I'm just being honest with you. But thank you. Thanksgiving. It's a doorway into a better focus, which is to say the reality, the reality of life the way it is, even in a year like 2020. Thank you is, is living this life with the insight that only God's Word can bring you. 
Thank you is seeing reality revealed by the Holy Spirit of God who indwells you. Thank you is expressing that God knows real bread from the display case fake bread that attracts us so you can always trust Him. That's what giving thanks brings to the table. Corrie ten Boom spent World War II watching her family decimated in the camps, in the Nazi camps in Germany. And she recounts how she loathed, I mean, she was in a horrible place, but on top of it all, she loathed the flea infestation that was going through the barracks that the Nazis had placed her and her sister Betsy in. And God spoke to her sister Betsy using the passage of 1 Thessalonians 5.18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And Betsy would, would, would remind uh, Corey Timboom about this. And Corey balked at this. She was angry. She was not thankful. She couldn't believe that God would add this trouble and turmoil to their life that was already being decimated. But she soon saw God's plan when the brutal guards left the barracks alone and wouldn't even enter them. Why? Because of those little parasites. Do you ever pause to count your blessings? To, as the song says, to name them one by one and then it will surprise you what the Lord has done. I mean, do you ever stop and actually name the things, the people that you have been blessed with, that, that you've been given. It's 2020, and I reflect. And I have food every day. I have a home. I have shelter. I have a wonderful wife. I have great kids, beautiful grandkids. I have a car. I have clothes. I have a loving, caring church community. I'm saved. I have eternal life through Jesus Christ's death on the cross for my sins and His rising from the grave. I'm, I have that, and I'm experiencing it right now. And I have a, a guaranteed by God future hope. And I'm just warming up. We have a tremendous amount to really be thankful for if we just stop. And isn't it all about focus anyway? About being thankful and that becomes the doorway into the reality where you're reminded what really matters. You acknowledge who's really in control. And a lack of a thank you. Oh, man, we've got a lot of that today. Here's where a lack of thank you can quickly lead you. Romans chapter 1, verse 21. For although they knew God, well, they knew there was a God, they did not honor Him as God. They did not give thanks to Him but they became futile in their thinking. That's what happens. And their foolish hearts were darkened. And then later in verse 28, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, that's what thankfulness is. It's acknowledging God. God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. Thank you is also the cure for coveting one's neighbor from which arises the wellspring of socialism and even communism. When we gather, when we gather together, whether it's in person or online, we cannot overstate the mileage that you and I get out of contemplating our future hope 
because of Jesus Christ. This future that we all have to look forward to. I, I've been working on the habit of thankfulness, and, and, and sometimes it's just little ways to, to thank God when, like, like when He finds my lost keys. When he finds that lost cell phone that I have just ransacked the house two times to find, and then I do find it, what do I say? Oh, man, I finally found it. it was, I was persistent. No, God is in control of everything, every little detail. He found them, and I thank him. And don't you find that each of our present um, states of thankfulness are directly tied to our present circumstances? That's usually how it plays out day to day. Talk about thankfulness with someone who's unemployed because of COVID. Talk to someone who has just lost their mother because of COVID complications with her health. Talk to someone who has just been told that they are in danger of losing their home. I'm afraid that thankfulness for many in our world today is only relative. I want to get to the place I want to remain in the condition of gratitude to regain perspective, to, to always have my footing, even when it seems like my world is crumbling around me. The wicked prosper. Yeah, they do, and they will, until Jesus comes back. Wolves are in the church. Yes, they are. We saw that in the Sermon on the Mount. Even our health and our safety in society has been hijacked by partisanship in politics. We, God's children, through the faith provided us through Jesus Christ's death on the cross, are to rise above these circumstances. We, citizens of God's kingdom come, have been placed in a family, and we have people to go to, human flesh. And, and even more important than that, we have a, he a heavenly faithful Father who we can always trust, who we can always go to anytime, anywhere. We've just sung praises to our Father, and I pray that they came from our hearts. And we've expressed gratitude through worship, but that is not enough. Now is the time to go to the only place where we can regain our footing, where we can get a, a transplant into our actual lifestyle, a living perspective on being thankful. So we're going to go and we're going to look into God's Word today. Would you follow along with me as we go? And we'll not only be lifted up because of our awakened awareness of what we've been given, but we're also going to become more of an influencing uh, uh, person with the people that you and I encounter. So it's to God's Word we go. We're taught by God to express our thankfulness. I think everybody realizes that. We're called in the Bible to thank God. Uh, first of all, for His goodness and His loving kindness. And this is huge. God is good, and He's done good things for His people. The writer of Psalm 136 hits this hard in the very first verse. Verse 1, Give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. How is He good? His steadfast love endures forever. But you might say, I don't deserve forever. You, you, it doesn't matter. God's love is given by grace. And this is one of the most famous calls in the entire Bible. For his steadfast love endures forever. 
The psalmist goes on for another 26 verses in this psalm, using that phrase, his steadfast love endures forever, over and over and over again. I'll give you an example. Verse 2, give thanks to the God of gods for his steadfast love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords for his steadfast love endures forever. And he goes on, all these descriptors about who God is and, and what he is to us, and he ends each one with, for his steadfast love endures forever. As a matter of fact, Psalm 106, 107, and 108 open with the same line, his steadfast love endures forever. It's a line that never gets old. It's a line that's a recurring theme throughout the entire Bible. Shouldn't it be the go-to line, the go-to theme for each of us, regardless of what's happening in our lives? May it never grow old in our person-to-person expressions of how thankful we are to God in, in our daily conversations with each other. And that brings me to another thing to thank God for, number two, for the local church. Paul tells the Colossians in Colossians 3, 15 and 17, and let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Did you catch the word thanks and thankfulness in those verses? We act towards each other in love and in unity. Why? Well, because we're such good people. No. <laughs> because Jesus has established peace between God and us. Because we are all part of one body now, Jesus Christ. If that is true, and it is, shouldn't we live like we are at peace with one another? Paul encourages us to sing here to God with hearts of gratitude, like it just bubbles over, and it comes out as an actual song, to do everything while giving thanks to God. Does that mean while I work at home because of COVID? Does that mean while I may disagree with other people within the church community, does that mean you fill in the blank? And the answer to each of those would be yes. Which brings us to another thing to thank God for. Number three, for everything. <laughs> and, and you can thank Paul for this. And just in case you're getting choosy about what to give thanks for, Paul gives us Ephesians chapter 5, 19, and 20, uh, similar to the Colossians passage. Singing and making melody to the Lord in your heart, giving thanks, How? always, and for everything, to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And then Paul goes on in another letter to the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18, rejoice always. It's not enough just to be thankful, but how you do this. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ for you. And the backstory here is that the Thessalonian church, that, that community, was at that very time Paul is telling them to be thankful, they were being persecuted for their faith. We're taught by God to express our thankfulness. We're also shown in the Bible how to thank God. David, 
Before becoming the king of Israel, David was a wanted man. The current king, Saul, uh, was threatened by David's popularity with the people, and he hunted him across the countryside. However, God delivered David from Saul and also all his enemies, and he made David the king of Israel. And under David's leadership, uh, Israel's influence expanded greatly, and David became what is known as a high king. Even the kings and rulers of all the surrounding countries acknowledged publicly uh, through what they said and through what they gave to David that he was in charge. And just after Saul's death, David, he sings a song. And it's a song of praise to God, and it includes this line near the end. It was probably top 40 of the day. 2 Samuel 22, 49 and 50. You, he's talking to God, you exalted me above those who rose against me. You delivered me from men of violence. For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations, and sing praises to your name. It's not just about my country. It's not just about my family. It's about the entire world around me. They must see. They must hear. They must know that you are God. That what I am, that what has been done for me, all the blessings in my life are just a tiny tidbit reflection of who you are. You deserve all the praise, and I'm going to let everybody know that you deserve all the praise and the Hebrew word for praise here that David uses actually means an expression of thanks. And it's an expression of thanks to God. So I have to ask myself, and would you do it also for yourself, do we stop during an average day to pause and to praise? Do we stop to acknowledge or even just to thank God not because something has happened that deserves his attention, you know, for us to acknowledge him, but just because that's who he is, even when something isn't going on. It's one of the reasons I like the habit, maybe you don't, but eh, too bad. Uh, I like the habit of praying before meals. I really do. Uh, because some of these godly habits serve to remind me of who God is and what He has done. And there are times when I can let other people know also if they're in the vicinity. But Jesus gave thanks during His lifetime on earth for meals. Before He miraculously fed the multitudes, in Matthew 15, we read, He took the seven loaves and the fish, and having given thanks, He broke them and gave them to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds, and they all ate and they all were satisfied. And right before announcing the new covenant in His blood at the Last Supper in Mark chapter 14, Jesus says in verse 20, it says in verse 23, Then He took a cup, and when He had given thanks, He gave it to them, and they all drank of it. Well, how else shall we thank God? The psalmist gives us an idea. It's Psalm 119. It's the crown jewel of all the psalms. Um, it's a long, 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 long ode to the very laws of God. Can you imagine? The centerpiece of the Psalms is about the laws of God. And in, psalm, and in that Psalm, uh, verse 62, I told you it was a long Psalm, the psalmist says, listen to this and think about it. At midnight, think about midnight and you're in bed. At midnight, 
I rise to praise you. Why? Because of your righteous rules. Here the psalmist goes so far as to say that he actually gets up at night, not to get a glass of water. He actually gets up at at night, in the middle of the night, to thank God for the laws which govern human life. And I have to ask myself, when was the last time I did that? Daniel, one of my favorites. Few characters in the Bible are quite like Daniel. Courage in the face of insurmountable odds. Standing by your honor and your principles uh, against death itself. And this young man of royal blood was ripped out of his home country. Judah um, was, was attacked by the Babylonians. Jerusalem fell and was destroyed. And he was carted away before that happened to a foreign evil place, Babylon. And Daniel resolved to be faithful to God and to his laws no matter what. But, but, what, but what if that was not even a part of his, his vocabulary? And he did this while also striving to serve the good of the place where he lived and the foreign people he lived with. The same people who destroyed God's city and messed his life totally up, he left ultimate justice in God's hands. And early in the book of Daniel, King Nebuchadnezzar, the the king of Babylon, has a troubling dream, and he needs to know what it means. And he summons and demands all his uh, magicians and his wise men to interpret it for him and explain it to him. And nobody can. And Daniel is a part of this group. He's been elevated to that place. And so Nebuchadnezzar says, okay, nobody can do it. You're all going to die. That's the way it works sometimes. Except Daniel. Because Daniel understands that from God he's been given the wisdom to interpret this dream. And in in chapter 2, verse 23, Daniel prays to God, and he says, O God of my fathers, I acknowledge and glorify you, for you have bestowed wisdom and power on me. Now, you have enabled me to understand what I requested from you, for you have enabled me to understand the king's dilemma. And Daniel not only lets God know through a prayer that he's thankful, and that's really important, But then we read later on in this chapter that he makes sure that the rulers and all the people around know where his wisdom comes from. And as a result, Daniel is is given more wisdom from God. He's given great influence in the court of the king. Uh, And Daniel is made the ruler of all Babylon's wise men. So can you and I live outspoken exemplary lives of thankfulness in the middle of a perverse world, a wicked world, a world where there's immense evil power going on. It seems so, but we're not even done with examples. The healed leper. Leprosy was such a serious problem back in the day of Jesus. In Israel, a leper had to live outside the community of people wasn't allowed to be in contact. He, he, he was under quarantine. Um, they was unclean. Lepers were disgraced. They were outcasts in Jewish society. And so we read in the, in the Scriptures that ten of them were, were going, walking along the road, and they happened upon Jesus. And they call out to Him for mercy. 
And Jesus responds in love, grace, and mercy by healing them all, but only one of them gives thanks. But here's the twist. The thankful healed leper is a Samaritan. He's despised by the Jews. Forget about his leprosy. He's unclean, unclean just for being born a Samaritan. And after being cleansed of his illness, uh, he's still someone that the religious elite of his day are going to see as an outsider. He'll never belong. Yet he still comes back to Jesus, a Jew, and thanks him. Luke 17, 16. And he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. That inclusion by Luke, now he was a Samaritan, was meant to be a dagger into our hearts, to expose any self-righteousness, to expose any unthankfulness that we might have. And Jesus healed the ten lepers, but only one returned to thank him. Which one do you think lived with more joy? Last example, Jesus. Right before Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead and calls him out of the tomb, he thanks God for hearing his request. It's in John 11, verse 41. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I knew you always hear me, but I said this on account of the people standing around, that they may believe that you sent me. Do we understand, do we get it that our good deeds done on God's behalf through the power of the indwelling Holy Spirit, deeds that God prepared for you and I to do before we were even born, can be used, will be used to point others to God, to honor God. Do we connect the dots for people so that they can see that the blessings that we have in our lives truly come from God? Do we publicly acknowledge that who we are is because of who He is and what He has done for us through Jesus Christ? Life throws each of us curveballs all the time. It's a hard pitch to hit. But how will we respond when we swing the bat and it's swish? <laughs> will we break the bat over our knee? What will the people watching us observe? Who will they see come out? The sinful me or the saved me? Does our, our eternal hope, that thing I talked about in the beginning that should drive us and keep us focused on what really matters, does our eternal hope actually translate into some kind of outward evidence in how we respond to the situations of life? For whose benefit is God preparing this demeanor of thanksgiving that He's working in all of us? The opportunities really are boundless. Uh, we haven't had such a unique nationwide or global opportunity to express our gratitude to God in the face of calamity in a very long time. Very unique times we live in. You know, put simply, thankfulness is, is recognizing that good things have happened to you. Regardless of the bad, you recognize that there's good things that have happened to you, and then you respond to that recognition by acknowledging the people 
who had a hand in making those things happen to you. And that's thankfulness. We all understand that. We do it all the time. It's similar to when you and I get to that place in our life where we're just blown away because we realize what our parents actually sacrificed for us while we were growing up. Uh, You usually don't completely get it until you have kids of your own, but then you respond, and you respond by letting them know in in some concrete way or form. Maybe it is just words, but you let them know how grateful you are. In the Bible, as we've just seen, thankfulness is recognizing that everything is dependent on God, all of it. And it's this growing awareness of, of who God is and what He's actually done for us through Jesus Christ. And most important, it's you and I responding. It's responding in a myriad, a myriad of concrete ways like we've just seen from His very Word this morning. And we do it all for His sake. Would you pray with me as we prepare to, in a very concrete way, thank God through our voices from our hearts. Heavenly Father, we bow again. Lord, I pray that the attitude of our lives is always this humble reverence, this constant, unceasing communication with you that is filled with thankfulness, that our demeanor before others is not dreary and forlorn, but, Lord, that we're uplifting, that your Spirit would speak through us from what we have meditated on in your word. That we'd be living examples of what it is to serve and be thankful to God. You, our Heavenly Father, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.